In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. This is the No Off Days podcast. I am Scott Smith, and alongside me, we have Chris Cato. We have Brian King in the booth, and uh, we are ready for championship week in the NFL, my friend. We got some big-time games, and we're going to break them down on this year' podcast. Um, but uh, I'm fresh in from Detroit. I had to find my winter coat for that game up there at Ford Field. Um, it was a – despite all reports – it was an indoor facility, so I, I didn't have to wear it inside. But uh, yeah, it was boy. I'll but the walk from the car to the yeah, stadium. As soon as, soon as we were going coat. to the car yeah. rental place, and you walk out of those double doors that open, it's just like pow, hits you right in the face. Um, so, but all all things, uh, you know, it was a it was a great game, and um, you know, the way the Bucks played in that game, I think they can hold their head high. I know nobody likes to you know have the kind of the proverbial you know right, uh, the moral, moral victory, victory yeah. but. It, honestly, the way that team fought throughout the course of the season to be in that position and even the way they did in that game. They really uh, did. When it looked like, you know, down two scores against the Lions offense that you really couldn't s- slow down, had trouble with, uh, you know, they, they gave themselves a puncher's chance at the yeah. end. You know? It was kind of a microcosm of their season. There was the, the, the timeout thing at the end, <laughs> and that has become a major story. It, you know, it, at the game, I'm sitting there in the last five minutes of the game, I'm like, in this crowded tunnel down on the field. I'm just thinking I got to get out on the field as soon as this game's over. We had some TV shots that we had to do. And uh, so I was not really paying attention to the timeout situation. And, and apparently I was not the only one. Um, but what, do you, what, what is your opinion on that? Because I just, the more I think about it, the more I find it frustrating that that time and the excuses that were kind of made afterward by, by Todd Bowles and company that was like, you know, hey, the game was already over or, you know, whatever yeah. somebody wants to say. I think you just kind of just own it. Like if you lost track or the the fact that the Lions snapped the ball too quickly and their kind of foibles messed you up and you just kind of assumed once you turned the ball over, the game was over. You know, that either way, that could that could have been the case. But I think you just got to kind of own it, not act like the game was over. Like that, that kick, if had they attempted a 40 something yard kick that. You know, then obviously at that point it is, but you got to make them kick it, right? You, you got to force their hand, especially in a game with the stakes this high. That's where I am with it too. It's not so much the mistake. Yes, it was a it was a mistake. You should have called a timeout. It's the Todd Bowles not owning it. The the explanation he gave was pretty sad. Yeah, that you know, well they would have kicked a, a long field goal and what? Okay, but make them do it yeah. make them do it make them try the field goal. you don't know what could happen or maybe they don't choose to, to kick the field goal maybe they try to punt and and pin the uh, bucks deep but which is still a risky which proposition. Is still a risky proposition yeah, so either way either way your choices are you could have a chance albeit a very small one or you can have no chance and they had no chance because i believe someone just lost track and i don't know yeah. how that happens and it's funny that you mentioned it the lions messed things up too and and so the lions kind of gave the bucks a gift and the bucks said you know no thanks we're, we're good with and that's, it ending right here i just wish you know you're never going to get that the the real story of what happened there but you, you just wonder if somebody jumps on those headsets and says hey they just snapped the ball with 16 seconds left yeah and then on the next play they snapped it with 14 seconds left on the game clock and so they're not stretching out the full 90 seconds that they had the ball you know that someone doesn't say hey what do we want to do here like let's burn a time does anybody jump in in that situation you know or is that simply the head coach's call? That's his job to maintain. You think he's got guys track. upstairs that that's their job? Watch it. As we know, there are different NFL coaches that admittedly aren't the best clock managers. Sure. I, I don't know where Bowles ranks on that, but you've got to have someone looking for stuff like that, exactly. Especially in big game situations. Yeah. Like that. I mean, if that's not an off-season need to address, just somebody that can kind of that has an eye for that kind of. I, I mean, I'm obviously as a as a member of the media watching that game. I'm not necessarily. I'm not good with math and how that all works and the game clocks and you know a lot of the players admittedly say that they don't either. But you know? you know that when an offense is in that position, you you don't snap the ball until there's a few seconds left on the play clock, right? So it yeah. was surprising to see the Lions yeah. do that. Yeah, no, that was that was a big mistake by the Lions, and they were not penalized for it. Uh, and they are moving on to the NFC Championship game. All right, let's bring in BK. And um, sorry, Brian, I didn't bring you back any uh, souvenirs from Detroit. I tried to pack some snow in the bag, but it just didn't, it didn't hold up well. On the, that's on the all right. Yeah. As long as you left that cold weather up there. Yeah, that's a, I'm telling you, man. Hey, can I add one more thing about these, these plays, Colin? I do not understand the – and maybe you can help me – the going for two 
when you're down to 14 points, when is that? Okay. And it's not a balls thing. When does that become? That's become so sexy it, in college it's, it's, too. Yeah. It's yeah. an analytics deal, um, and I think a lot of people cringe because of the you know like old school football folks like ah analytics, schmanalytics. But I, the more I've thought, because I thought at, at first glance I thought well, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Why go for two and unnecessarily take yourself? you know, make things harder on yourself. But the more I've thought about it, I'm like, yeah, it does make sense. I, I like the fact that, you know, you're going for the win there, right? So hostile environment, if, if you can somehow get into two scoring positions there, um, what makes sense to me is you have two cracks at a two-point conversion. And I think mm -hmm. your percentages are pretty high. So, you know, if you if you wait till that last one, then it's it's do or die right there. If you if you get the two point conversion on the first go round and you happen to get the ball back and score again, well now it, now that it's an easy kick, you know. But if you if you miss like the Bucks did on that two point conversion, then you at least have another opportunity should you score another touchdown to do it again. So it kind of makes sense to me. And, yeah. and you know, on on first glance, I was not on board with that. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it's probably the smart decision. I just I didn't. Know. I didn't like the play call. I mean, that's your two-point well, play, yeah, uh, sure. throwing a fade to the back right. corner of the end zone. Yeah, there's but that. But it just seems odd that you, you you'd rather have may, uh, go for a two-point conversion to win the game as opposed to go for a two-point conversion to just to tie the game. You know, if they they miss it, that's what I, I I've just I've never understood that. I mean, and I know the explanation and stuff. It just seems backwards. You, you know what? It, I think also it just kills the momentum, right? Like if it works, great. But I, I don't know. There's it something. Does. To be, there's something to be said for momentum. Like oh, you score this touchdown, you're back in it, and then womp womp. There's something so, about being down seven and being down yeah. eight for some reason. I was like, happy they went for it though, because I had the Bucks minus six. There you and go. I was yeah, for the push. Okay. I was like, come on. But I saw it, the text. It didn't work out though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the the, the thought is, I, and I don't know what the Bucks shot uh, percentage wise on two point conversions this year, but you know, if, if it's better than fifty percent, then yeah. maybe maybe it's worth that risk. You know, if you if you're real bad down there in the red zone, then then maybe maybe for you it's not good. So did the, did it probably the, does matter like who the team is and what that matchup looks like. Too. Right. Did the noise live up to the hype? Did you get your one hundred thirty seven? I mean, it was loud. Jet, I don't know. Engine decibels. I, I can't really tell you the difference between one hundred and thirty <laughs> decibels and one hundred and seventeen. <laughs> Uh, but it was loud, and, and they had the meters going, and you know throughout the game, and it was it was regularly about 116, 117, uh, if that thing is. is so that's legit. why Scott's walking around this week going, huh? Oh, <laughs> what? I mean, I could talk to the person that was next to me in the press box, and we could hear each other, even though it was loud, um, mm -hmm. and it wasn't, you know, there was no glass. It was it was in open, know, air, open air, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was it was loud, and that was I was surprised actually how little it seemed to affect the Bucks' offense in that yeah, game. Yeah, not a lot of I mean, uh, false starts. Not right? a lot of false starts. Yeah. I mean, they, they seemed to be handling it well and, and playing that silent count. So, um, you know, another another hats off to the Bucks for that. So, mm -hmm. um, all right. So, BK, what what else do we have uh, cooking on this week's show? Well, we got to uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, coaching hires. The, we're going to evaluate those. Looking back at it now, the season's almost over in the NFL. What was the good coaching hires and what were ones that they kind of wish they had to do over with? So we'll get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Then at the end of the show, here in the Bay Area, we're in fourth rows of the Gasparilla Festival. Yes. The kids' parades last weekend. We got yeah. the big parade coming up this weekend. I thought it'd be fun to look around at some of the unique festivals around the country here and, and try to get you to guess either what state they're from. I'll give you a little background information on but you tell me what state they're from oh, okay. and things like that. Do you have the uh, Possum Festival? Possum Did festival? not have the Possum okay. Festival nor the Rattlesnake Roundup okay. Festival. I've been, I've been to the you, Possum Festival. Where's that It's at? in Wausau up in the Panhandle of Florida. Okay. And they honor the great possum that got them through the lean times of the Depression because they, they ate, ate it? the possum. Oh, yeah. gosh, man. We, we've, yeah, we've talked about this yeah. on the show, yes. I think. Yeah. Probably, we've probably eaten possum on the show. Possum is my, uh, I, I don't know, possum and rat are my Ooh. two most hated animals oh, on this gosh. planet. Uh, Not sharks? And then sharks. Oh, okay. <laughs> sharks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All um, right, that'll be fun. All yeah. right, very good. We can't, we'll catch up with you in a minute. Uh, if you're listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, you can take out your phone and zap the QR code on the screen in the bottom right-hand corner. And there you can find all of our shows. You can sub sub subscribe at fox13news.com slash nodpod. Before we get to what we think were 
coaching um, fails in terms of hires and and the ones that really knocked it out of the ballpark in 2023. I want to focus in on where the Bucks go from here. Obviously, the offseason is here uh, as we tape. We're 48 hours into the offseason. And I'm telling you, these moves are going to have to start. The, these negotiations, these discussions are going to have to start taking place here pretty quickly. I know for uh, the Bucks, Bucks receiver, Mike uh, Evans, he's I think he if there's some deal in his contract where if if he extends before uh, mid-February, I think it's February 19th, then they can avoid, the Bucks can avoid a, like a 12 hit on dead cap money, uh, $12 million dead, dead cap hit. So there's that. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, you, you obviously are trying to get – Guys like Antoine Winfield Jr. probably don't want him to hit free agency, no, right? And no. see, you know, what, where else he could shop. And, and Baker Mayfield, for that, uh, for that matter, as well. So, you know, here's how I kind of list what I think in in terms of priority are the Bucks offseason moves. I think n- number one, I mean, obviously, it's the state of the NFL. You need a quarterback, and I think Baker Mayfield has certainly made the case for that. I think they move forward with Baker. You know, we've talked about this in the past. What can he fetch on the open market? I mean. Is he going to get you know thirty plus a year? It's quite possible. You know, you think so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's just what the position dictates nowadays. Mm-hmm. If you have a legit number one, and I think that this year he showed his bona fide. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to cough up some dough for Baker if you can get a hometown discount. Even better. And what Bucks have how much to play with? What projected forty? I want to say it's like point seven something yeah, like that. It's in the forties, mid. Yeah, but mid you 40s. give thirty million to a quarterback. What? That well, you know, you could always slide money around too, and you can kind of backload stuff. It's you know, it doesn't have to be thirty million straight right. up this year. Um, and I'm not smart enough to to play off how how they can handle that, but I know that the Bucks have done that kind of stuff in the past, and every team does, right? So, um, but if you don't, if you're not willing to pay that kind of money, then you you're, you're going to have to look on the fringes of free agency. Who is out there that you can you know pluck on a on a decent deal? I mean. Kirk Cousins is going to be free agent. He's coming off Achilles inj- injury. Don't you think he'll be as expensive as Baker, though? He could be. Yeah. I mean, but coming off injury is that a, right. is that a factor? Maybe you get an injury discount. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure who else is out there that's uh, hitting you, free agency. That's that some would be. Tyrod Taylor guys like that. Jacoby Brissett. They're not really yeah, to the I level mean, of hey Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right. I mean, but I think that's what you're you're talking about. I think what. I don't think this fan base is willing to take another bite out of the free agent apple and try and yeah. roll the dice and see what happens. Um, I think that what they saw in Baker is great this year and a lot of promise to build off of that. Or y- you hit, you know, a rookie quarterback in the draft. And yeah. you're probably going to have to make a move to, to climb up to the get draft. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my number one. Uh, I got re-signed Mike Evans, too, as, as number two. And it seemed like uh, they kind of made it seem like it was a, a bit of a package deal. But, you know, Baker said, if I'm back, I want Mike back as well. And why wouldn't he say that? I think Mike has not lost anything off his fastball. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in great shape. Uh, he had a really good season. And um, and I do think he wants to be here. So I think maybe you can get a little bit of a discount. You know, he could go elsewhere. I think other teams will certainly be interested. Um, I would try to avoid that. You know, I, yeah. would, I would try to get him before that February 19th deadline um, to sign an extension, maybe get him to lock down for another two or three years. Um, and then I got number three rounding out my top three. It's uh, obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to take care of this guy. He cannot go anywhere. He can't play for another team in his career, honestly. Like whatever he needs, whatever you need to pay him pay him I, I think this guy is a future hall of famer and uh he certainly showed time and time again that um he he's a difference maker at that position whenever he's on the field uh so those are my top three uh, you have any issues with those yeah no i i like all of those i i didn't necessarily rank these in top three i, I think mike evans has to retire a buck and i think he wants to and i think he will i think i think they'll work that out um, I think as much as I think Baker is is a priority, uh, l- would love for them to, to keep him. Uh, I think the biggest priority on my list is defense. And I think that's, you know, the Bucks rank 23, 23rd in yards allowed and 29th in passing yards allowed. So, yes, locking down Winfield, but also they've got to do something. The, the core of Todd Bowles' 3-4 scheme is that interior. And that's one thing that really hurt them in that Lions game. I, I don't know what the philosophy was, the, the linebackers – dropping you know 15 yards into coverage and yeah. just allowing Goff to just have these layups across the middle I don't know if that's scheme or player but but either way you've got uh so Levante David had an amazing season in yep. what is 13th 12th or 13th yeah. year um and had kind of cut you know given the team a deal he was on a one-year contract 
Um, I hope that I, he needs to retire a buck too, and I hope they can make that happen. I, I think you'll let um, Devin White walk, right? Yeah, I like think you, that's probably got to get got to get him out the door, and so then I think you you probably turn to free agency. We'll get into that in a moment, I know, or or the draft to get some more linebackers in there. But I think uh, edge rusher two is such a priority because that yeah, that agreed. also helps you in coverage when you're 29th in the NFL in passing yards allowed. That's also because you're not getting consistent pressure. No, you know, we certainly saw that in Detroit too. Yeah. I mean, Jared Goff. I mean, they, the Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the league, but I mean, there was very little pressure. And you know that's been a, that's been a theme this year. You know, it, it, when you're just rushing without the blitz, you know the, the Bucks don't get home as much yeah. as they need to, and some of that comes back to you know like you love the guy Shaq Barrett, and he's done a lot for this team over mm-hmm. the years since coming here, but you know you didn't get your production out of him. Will will he see a resurgence? Should he come back next year? Will he live up to how much they're paying him? Um, you know that's a big that's a big question. But the the production needs to be there. They could move on from him. I think he has an out in his contract at the end of this year, uh, where they can move on with you know it's you're still going to take a dead cap. He would cost fourteen yeah. million yeah. if I they mean, bring him back. So yeah. I do think he's probably gone. And he kind of made some comments that. Uh, led you to believe that he thinks it could be the end of the road here so that that's mine is just you know finding finding some pass rushing finding someone on that backside to help uh at cornerback you know I thought the cornerback play was uh pretty inconsistent this season so I don't know if you address that again in free agency or the draft there are some some dudes in the draft that would fall to where the bucks are going to pick that would also maybe be available in the second or third round I like Enos Rakestraw out of Missouri uh Kamari Lassiter out of Georgia uh, this guy out of Toledo, Quinion Mitchell. Um, he, oh, and how about this? Iowa State has a cornerback, ranks high on all the draft boards, named TJ Tampa. Mm. That's perfect. I mean, I mean, you don't even have you, to make up a fake Tampa name. Right. Like Tampa, Tampa Bay just, or Tampa. Yeah, just call it Tampa uh, Brady. TJ Tampa. There Tampa. you go. So, yeah. yeah, I think that I think that to me, uh, ba- those are kind of 1A and 1B. Baker and just solidifying that defense and, and getting some help on the back end the problem the only problem with and, and i agree they they do need help on defense but when you go to free agency and try to address edge rusher or you go to free agency and try to address cornerback you're paying a high premium yeah. at those positions and it's one that i just don't i don't think the bucks can afford to spend a lot of money at those yeah. positions i mean it would be great if they could i mean i think there's uh, i look some of the edge rushers that are going to be free agents you got josh allen brian burns daniel hunter uh chase young uh, Zadarius smith i think would be a great one there's one out of uh miami in uh, andrew van ginkle that van they, ginkle that, yeah. there's some cops there to to shack for him uh but you know, I just don't know if they can afford to go get those guys. That may be a position that they address through the draft. Um, but, yeah, the edge is going to be an issue. Cornerback, you know, Zion McCollum showed enough this year where I, th- where I think you're getting better production. The guy is physically gifted. He's a big corner, um, and there's promise there. They do need to get another safety because I think it's time to move on from Ryan Neal. Yeah. Um, but, again, that those could be draft pieces. You might be able to get a safety in free agency. I think, you know, even center on the offensive line. I mean, Robert Hainsey's good. I think he'd be maybe better as a guard, though. And I think Stinney becomes a free agent here in the offseason that maybe it makes sense to slide Hainsey um, over to left guard or at least have him compete there and uh, and try to bring in a, a new center, you know, through free agency. Um, yeah. You know, Chase McLaughlin, kicker, reliable. I think you resign him. Yeah, keep and, him. And, and here's another thing you got to keep an eye on, too. And this could help the the cap number is that Tristan Wirfs. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is hitting an option year. I don't think you want to pay option money to him um, without having long term implications. So I think you got to get him locked down to a long term contract as well. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's guys you're probably gonna move on from. It's probably gonna be Devin White, Shaq Barrett, um, Ryan Neal. Those are guys that that may end up walking. Um, and then, you know, free agent wise, uh, yeah, I, I think you need to address the edge. Maybe if you, if you could find something that's affordable, uh, safety position and center to me would be moves. I, I like Daniel Hunter if, if they, again, afford him. But that 3-4 scheme, I think, fits yeah, him really I mean, well. Yeah, you got to have someone that can drop into coverage. That may not be Chase Young. But, I mean, there's certain guys it's like, we just we need heat off the edge. You, know? <laughs> you need somebody that's going to be a matchup problem. Um, so as you look into kind of the the top free agents here in the offseason guys that that are available i mean who who do you think what what do you what do you like out there i mean 
I looked at like some safeties like Cameron Crow from Washington. I think he's a little underrated. Xavier McKinney from the Giants. I like Xavier McKinney. Uh, that could be a good fit as well. Um, but yeah, something to kind of tighten up that back end. Yeah, I like McKinney. I like Kyle Duggar, the Patriots. Uh, he's one of the better free agent safeties out there. Um, and we we went through the edge rushers there. I'm also looking at if if the Evans deal can't be worked out and, and we've got to move on. Uh, and maybe even in addition to Evans, um, maybe you want to. I don't know. It doesn't hurt to have pass catchers if you can can get a guy no. who's out there. I like. Uh, there's some guys out there that maybe too expensive, but I would look at. Marquise Brown with the Cardinals, and I would look at Calvin Ridley with the Falcons. Calvin Ridley could be interesting. I mean, the only – yes, you need speed, right? Every, every team needs speed, and, and Ridley's got that. I mean, you kind of have a guy in Trey Palmer that showed some flashes, and he probably needs to take that next step in year two. Um, but I wide receiver is actually a position I, I, I'm tempted to go – in the first round with yeah there, this the will be a deep wide receiver class well in this i saw a, a couple comps that had keon coleman fall into the to the box i mean these are mock drafts i, right? I saw they, yeah and boy that is uh that would be hard to resist or tez walker from unc yeah i mean there are some guys that might fall at the receiver position that you know even if you bring mike evans back that you, you who knows you know this whole situation with godwin and evans you can't pay these guys you know like top dollar forever like that's just not going to work so but you need to bring in some young talent and that would be an intriguing position to address through the draft and you know maybe you can hit some of those other positions i mean jason light's shooting a pretty good percentage in the draft and uh some of these yeah. have been really good drafts here as of late so um yeah but the yeah the, the godwin situation is something that they you know that's that could be you know if they moved on from him um you know it's a 18 million dollar cap hit um you know you need could you find a trade partner for him i don't know it's in, it's it's interesting and uh but yeah the bucks front office they have their work cut out for them here in the offseason to try to figure out how to make all that money work they've done it before i mean they look this last offseason they had a 77 plus million dollar right you know, hit on dead cat money and you know courtesy mostly of tom brady but uh, they made it work, and they put a team into the divisional round of the playoffs. The Baker thing worked out better than anyone expected, except for maybe the guys in the Bucks front office. Right, no doubt. Um, all right, very good. Coming up on the other side, uh, as BK alluded to, we're going to get into some of the, the better coaching hires of 2023 and some of the ones that did not work out. Um, and could one of the Bucks assistant coaches be one that was one of the better hires? Could he be on the way out as well? We'll discuss all that and more coming up on the No Base Podcast. Welcome back to the No Off Days podcast, and uh, we are in the middle of a coaching circus. We've discussed it the last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. uh, trying to fill some open jobs that are out there. Of course, at this point, Bill Belichick, tightly rumored to be going to the Falcons, but um, nothing is official at at this point. Uh, we, we even have the Bucks offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, going back for a second interview with the Carolina Panthers for their head coaching job. And you, you look at the the kind of the risk that he took right leaving seattle and he had been there for a long time mm -hmm. uh to now be a first year offensive coordinator into a position let's let's be honest here that many people did not think that it could be a you know it, the last year you know that right. it could be a cleaning house situation at the end of this year nobody really knew what was going to happen with todd bowles but to go into there confident in what he could do taking you know the opportunity as it presented itself and making the best of it and really you know now becoming one of the hot names in coaching circles you know if you had to go one of the best moves here in the offseason I think it's the Bucks hiring Dave Canales you know I, I think his name ID is only going to continue to rise even if he stays with the Bucks um, and you know doesn't take an, another head coaching job you know it's is you know, they they love young coaches that get a lot of traction. You know, teams can can start to vie for these guys, and, and he's going to get more opportunities to to interview. So, uh, and I think he showed a lot this year. So, yeah. you know, he is probably one of the uh, on the top of my list when it comes to one of the better off season hires. Now, 
Did he know what was going to go down in, in Seattle? Did he get a heads up? Hey, Pete Carroll, you know, this may be the last <laughs> year for Pete. And then he's thinking, well, then we may have a cleaning house situation in Seattle anyway. I, I don't know. But uh, he took the opportunity, made the most of it. And uh, hats off to him and, you know, all the opportunities he's going to have now ahead of him. Does Are you want, surprised does he... he's getting head coaching interviews after one year as an OC? Uh, well, I'm not. I mean, because I don't think being a coordinator is uh, a requirement, yeah. you know. Dan Campbell was not a, a coordinator. He was a he was an assistant head coach. That's working out pretty tight well ends too. coach, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Like, th- it's happened before. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a little surprising. But at the same time, you know, he kind of fits the mold of what every NFL team kind of is going for when they have head coaching vacancies. Give us the next young thing. Yeah. Like, the, there's a lot of guys that are kind of retreads that, that have shown they have a resume and they have won in the past. But – like, I think everybody's trying to get to the next guy, the, the next, you know, generation of young coaches. Yeah. That Most of them have around. goatees. Most of them are young guys with a goatee. That, so, well, Canales, does, he hair? doesn't have that. No, he's no. a clean-cut guy. Maybe he can work on that. He might need to yeah. grow that, and we'll see if he gets hired. That's a that's a good call, though. Um, you know, that was one of the best I, – I agree with you – one of the best uh, coordinator hires in the season. I've yeah. got one at the top of my list, too, and it's John Harbaugh moving off of Greg Rollman and hiring Todd Munkin. I mean, they had so many injuries at running back, and they're still top rushing attack in the league, uh, fourth in scoring offense, and it's just worked. I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously you got Lamar Jackson. That helps everything, helps make everything, right? But, you know, even after Mark Andrews goes down, they find ways to do things. And, again, I love it because he took Todd Munkin away from Georgia. So, um, yeah, Yeah. I like that. That was a good move by Harbaugh. It was a very good move. I mean, I think it goes to that saying, like, when it comes to the head coaching hires, D'Amico Ryans was a a smash hit. You know, what they were able to do in year one of of his run, plus with a rookie quarterback. And, you know, they have a ton of talent in their receiving core as well. They got some good players on defense. I mean, this is they're going to be a formidable team for years to come. Uh, so, obviously, what he's done as a head coach has been great. But I, I agree with you. Munkin is an OC. Bobby Slowick, who... You know, the Texans OC and what he's able to do. I mean, he may be getting a head coaching opportunity out of this season as well. Uh, but a guy that's kind of resurrected his career a little bit is Steve Wilkes, uh, de- defensive coordinator mm-hmm. for the 49ers, who, you know, look, I mean, that that defense has a ton of talent, and I think everybody can recognize that. But he's done a great job as a defensive coordinator to, to, to take Ryan's job. Um, and, you know, he was the – remember, he, he was with Arizona for a year as the head coach and then was kind of shown the door. So, I mean, I think he's bringing his name ID back up. So, I think that was a solid hire as, as well. There's some moves that were not great, um, however, this this year. And, I, you know, Frank Reich, the hire in, in Carolina, you know, obviously you can't start as poorly as they did and feel like you're you know immune to taking a hit. But that that was a big investment that they made, and they paid a lot to have him walk away. And you know he was a, a guy that had done it. He had he had a, a decent resume. He he could work with young quarterbacks, and to abandon that one as quickly as they did, you know. Part of that is, you know, it's a reflection of how that Panthers organization's run. But, you know, it also falls on Reich, too. I mean, you you just can't do that in today's game. Um, he brought in a suffer. bunch of, like, old players. Yeah. I, not, I, didn't, I don't know. Some of the moves they made to sur- try to surround their rookie quarterback with talent, it was – didn't work the uh the hire for um the washington commanders to hire eric Bieniemy. this one was like a lose-lose and right? a lot of people said this right like they were like eh, it never he... really made sense yeah. like why would you move on like why would you take an uh, another offensive coordinator job when you're and and earlier in the season people were like oh this is looking smart you know this was maybe he jumped ship at the right time and you could tell because you know at that point kansas city's the offense Chiefs was are, struggling yeah. a little bit but my goodness like they're playing in the AFC Championship game this weekend, and you know, Eric Bieniemy's looking for a new job, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he, I think he interviewed for the head coaching job with Washington, but he, I mean, he's starting all over again. That was a bad. That was like Dave Canales like picked right, and <laughs> Eric Bieniemy picked wrong. Uh, why, why would anyone pick the Commanders? I just, I don't, I don't get that. Like, what do you expect? Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, that was, I, I, 
there had to be more to that story, right? right? There had to be more going on than what we assume. Maybe he just didn't want to be in the shadow of Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid still, of course, you know, he kind of calls the plays. Yeah. And he's really Kansas City's offensive coordinator to a large extent. So maybe that, that was a big part of it. I, I just need to kind of cut my teeth on my own, and it just – didn't work out. I mean, you're only you're only your job's only as safe as a coordinator is as your head coaches, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then everybody on the Eagles staff, I think, was was bad. You In, know, anytime you have to go to uh, Matt Patricia calling your defense down the stretch run of the season, and then the defense gets worse. Yeah, that's that's not good. It, it, you've read, I'm sure, that it looks like the Eagles are going to give Sirianna, Sirianni another season at least. Yeah, that's what it sounds like at this point, but um, have they already moved on? I, I believe they, they fired their offense coordinator, Brian Johnson. They did, yes. Um, and then, you know, I don't I'm know assuming about, the same thing's going to yeah. happen if it has not already happened on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they made that change. You know, Sean Desai was their D.C., but he then they pulled him from play-calling duties, and they gave that to Matt Patricia, and obviously that backfired. Um, but I, this is like, you know, seems like your last dance there, Sirianni. Like, you got to get it right now. You got to make some yeah. good hires and bring this team back to prominence because there's just too much talent on that team to have it go to waste. Yeah, and, I think uh, Doug Peterson is in a similar position. They, they free-falled after, yeah. you know, there was a projection at, you know, towards the end of November where they had like a 95% chance of making the playoffs. And Epic collapsed down the stretch, just didn't show up in big moments. Yeah, and that's why, like, you know, you look at now this, this field of candidates and all these jobs that are open. And I think it's worth a, a, a moment of reflection. I think it's so easy to for these coaches to say, "Well, it's the, you know, it's a, it's the next step on my ladder that I'm climbing. It is, you know, a higher paying job. It's more prestige." But with that, uh, obviously, there comes a lot of pressure. You know, like you, you, you're gonna have to bring it, and sometimes you're not afforded more than one year. So I think that that, you know, sometimes it's better to just sit. You know, you kind of look at like what. Look at, like, Washington Commanders general manager Adam Peters. Like, this guy was uh, second in command to John Lynch for years. Um, he spent a long time in the Denver Broncos organization. And he wanted to make sure that his pick to for the GM job, he had opportunities and jobs were offered, but he wanted to make sure it was the right fit, you know? Now, a lot of people would say, well, why Washington? I think new ownership. if, if you look, yeah, yeah, I mean, new ownership has de definitely reset the deck and – um, they have a lot of money. They have draft capital, so it's a it's a good situation if you're a GM to put your stamp on things right away, um, and to play for you know a storied organization like Washington. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you just kind of patience may be the the greatest virtue for some of these coaches. Like, don't that's kind of my thing with like Canales is like if he's offered the the Panthers job, do, do you turn down a head coaching? I mean, it's easier for me to say I'm not in that seat. You know, like do you turn it down? I just look at what happened last year in Carolina, and I look at that ma that owner, and yeah. I, I'm like, if there's one guy I wouldn't want to work for, and I don't know the guy personally, just his reputation on a national stage is, is not good. A you temperamental know? billionaire. Like, That's who I want to work and, for. And if you get your one crack at it, and then they, you know, you start out like in a, off off to a poor start, and they decide to fire you. Like, how yeah. many years then have you, you, how you set yourself back? How do you recover from that? Yeah. 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 So that's yeah, got to evaluate all those things. Something sure. to consider. Hope Moving Jim forward. Harbaugh is thinking about those things before he decides. Yeah, he, uh, he what second interview with the, the Chargers? Yeah, it looks like they're going that way. I'm still yeah. holding to my pick that he's going to return to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good though. I don't want him to, so that Alabama can pluck some Michigan. Yeah, no players. doubt. Yeah, they need it at this point. Yeah. All right, coming up on the other side. Speaking of picks, we're going to dive into the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. We should have some great ones on set this weekend. See who's going to the Super Bowl this year in Vegas. Yeah, we'll make our predictions on the Let's other side. Let's get Brian's too. Okay, we'll we'll draw. Them. Welcome back to the Nod Pod. Uh, I love these matchups this weekend. It is championship weekend, Chris. Um, I feel like even matchups for the most part. Uh, you know, I, you may not look at the lines and think that way. The, the I lines, do think that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I just think that these teams, they're very uh, similar. Both of them, mm -hmm. uh, both these matchups. So we're going to get into this. And, and Brian, do you want to be a part of our picks this week? Will you be our guest picker? Sure, I guess I'll be your guest pick. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> um, Twisted so, his arm there. Yeah, let's start first with this uh, Chiefs-Ravens game. This this one is in Baltimore, so I'm not sure we're going to get a, a topless Jason Kelsey 
Uh, I'm sure. Is Taylor Swift going to be there? Well, let's hope so. I mean, I I think we we need her there now. She's like an NFL ambassador. That could be. I mean, that could be a major distraction. So that that could be good. Yeah. I think the Kansas City Chiefs would could use that. Um, You know, just coming off last week, you had this epic showdown between uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and. I mean, we've seen over the years. This is this is one of the great quarterback mm-hmm. showdowns that we that we get to be a part of every year. And um, you know, in the postseason, it, it's always Mahomes that, mm-hmm. that gets the edge. So now you have another one in Mahomes and Jackson. And obviously, you know, Mahomes has the playoff moxie. You know, he's he's been there. He he kind of gets it done. They don't have a great receiving core. Yes, we know about the question marks on this team, but their defense is stepping up. Mahomes is playing great, uh, and he just kind of wills his team to victory. Uh, and, but then you look on the other side, and you have Lamar Jackson, who's he had one playoff win in his career prior to last week. And you, but that team is just so good, and he's so dynamic that you got to think that at some point he kind of breaks through. You know, like could this be the weekend that it breaks through? I mean, when it comes to quarterback matchups, does it get any better than Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so. I think these are the two best quarterbacks in the league. You know, Josh Allen's close. He's up there. Joe Burrow, you could say. But I think this is the best quarterback matchup. And I think they're both going to fall out on yeah. Sunday. Overtime? You like overtime in this game, Brian? Oh, I'm not so sure about overtime. But I do like the Baltimore defense. You know, they have three players on that defense that have nine sacks each. Wow. They got seven players on that team that's got three sacks each. Yeah. They, they, wow. can, they can play some defense. So, for that reason, I'm going with Baltimore. Okay. All right. So, he's going to go with Baltimore. Um, Chris, do you want to go with I defense? knew Brian would do his homework on defense. Okay. He doesn't care about the flashy, <laughs> glitzy offensive side of the ball as much. He knows what wins championships. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, two weeks in a row, I've picked against Patrick Mahomes. And look what happened to me. Mm. Uh, can I? I'm just. Should gonna, we say it, Ravens are three and a half point favorites? Yeah, Ravens are playing three at home Sunday, three o'clock. I want to say this: you can cut this out later for time if you need to, just to give some. I mean, to put this Mahomes thing in perspective, he has sixty. He's played in sixteen playoff games. He's played in sixteen playoff games. That's more than Purdy and Lamar Jackson and Goff combined. Mm-hmm. He's thirteen and three in those games. In those games, he has a higher completion percentage and passer rating than he does in the regular season. So last week when I said teams don't just flip a switch, I'm wrong. Well, players do. He flips a switch and he just he, he has ru- he, he has runs that the ball Brady more. quality. Yeah, to him. Yeah, he um his thirty eight playoff passing TDs are already the most ever through 16 games. I mean, it's ridiculous what he does. And so that's why it sounds foolish for me to say that I'm picking the Ravens. But I, I'm i picking the Ravens. And wait, I, wait, I, what? You just made the I, I was buying in. I was like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, wait. But, but let me tell you why I'm picking the Ravens. Because unlike the Dolphins and the Bills, this Ravens team is healthy. And they're so physical on both lines of scrimmage. And they're more battle-tested than the Chiefs. They played the fifth toughest schedule in the league. They beat six teams that made the playoffs and beat uh, the 49ers and uh, and Detroit, both of those, pretty decisively. And Lamar was awesome in those games. He completed 71% of his passes. And look at this, too. The Chiefs' defense, very blitz-heavy scheme. You don't want to blitz Lamar. You're going to get in trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs. This is the year of the Harbaugh to foreshadow my Super Bowl mm, pick, but mm, yes. Okay. Well, look, um, you have two generational talents at quarterback, and that's going to be where everybody's you know attention goes, and and how these quarterbacks play, and how much pressure they feel. The th- I, I like Baltimore in the sense that like they are an offense that truly you have to pick your poison. I mean, they could kill you through the air, they can kill you on the ground. Like it does not matter, um, and they're very well coached. John Harbaugh, I think, is one of the great coaches in the NFL right now. They could get tight end Mark Andrews back for this game, yeah, and that would be, be a huge get. The question to me is, can Kansas City slow down the, the Baltimore run? I mean, can they, they – the defenses look great. You kind of made the case for Mahomes, and this is where I'm – my pick was originally Baltimore. I you, changed his mind. But here's the thing. It's just – there's something about Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, in these games, and the in, the inexperience in these situations that Lamar Jackson has. The game's going to be in Baltimore. It's expected to be wet, cold, rainy, like not a great environment for either one of these teams. But, like, 
I don't know. It, there's yeah. just something about the playoffs and that guy that I just feel like he's going to be able, if it's close, he's going to find a way. He's the baby he's goat. Gonna, he's he's going to find a way. I, for as talented and as gifted as Lamar Jackson is, I just think Mahomes has the quality that it's just it's the Brady-esque quality. Like he's just going to find a way to win. Mahomes versus Jackson matchups in the past. Mahomes has wins has won three of those four meetings. I mean, the Ravens are plus twelve in turnover margin. That could be big, you know. But is Mahomes going to be coughing the ball up in in a playoff game of this magnitude? I don't know. I'm going to switch my pick. He's switching. I'm going to go the Chiefs. Okay. I'm going to say the Chiefs get it done on the road. I, it's crazy. I, I Yeah. I mean, I feel like they, you know, the Chiefs, like, opened the door last week. Like, they, like I feel like Buffalo, obviously, they were a kick away from tying it. You know, they didn't look great offensively down the stretch. And Yeah, but the know. Chiefs could have put them away earlier without that McCole Hardman fumble through the end zone. Yeah. Can I uh, can I give you can I make you feel better about your pick? Yeah. The, the Chiefs give me, give me Chiefs are ten, with Mahomes at quarterback. The Chiefs are as underdogs. They're 10-3 and 1, including 8-0 oh, and 1 on the road as underdogs. That sounds like a stat only a gambler would know. <laughs> for sure. Just trying to help you feel better yeah. about your pick. Yeah. No, I just 8-0 oh, and 1 on the road as underdogs and they're underdogs. Yeah, I don't want to, but I don't want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. That's the thing. I don't want. I want some. I want fresh blood. And what Super Bowl? I, like I want. I want to see Baltimore in there, but I just feel like it's gonna be Kansas City. Like they're just gonna do it. They're gonna get it done. Yeah. I, I listened to that post game talk from 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 Patrick Mahomes. That guy with his froggy voice and all, man. He gets fired up, and I'm just like, yeah. Like like I don't think he's gonna be denied. I just don't think it's gonna be. Uh, and you know. That means that Taylor Swift gets to be center stage at the Super Bowl. Which leads That's to That's another question. dynamic. <laughs> Brian, what, what is the Super Bowl that the NFL wants? Oh, Kansas City. Oh, without question. And, and San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. easy. No, I disagree. You think I, Detroit? Yeah, Detroit's a better story. I think Kansas City, you still get, you still get the Kelsey at Swifty and Detroit. I think that, mm. I would think that would be the ideal. For yeah, the NFL, probably, right? the ideal Super Bowl. I don't I see that. I, d- I don't know. I don't. I don't see Detroit pulling in that demo. I mean, you have. I don't. I don't care. I don't think they care about the the demo as much. I, I they, think you think it's just about a storyline. I think more people would. I think more non-San Francisco fan viewers would love the Lions story to be part of it. Yeah. Well, I will say at the beginning of the year, or it was early on in the season, we picked what we thought was going to be the most probable. Yeah. And what was going to be the Scott's the, favorite, the best, <laughs> the best for viewing. And I think I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the most probable. In fact, I think I have my uh, show notes in that game in that uh, show. Let me see. You keep notes. Well, for me, um, <laughs> let's see. Who did I have? I said most likely the 49ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, okay. that was back on back in, I think, early October. We can uh, pull and my most there. my most appealing. I had Detroit, Kansas City week one rematch. Could be, so. so you could be right either way is what you're saying. Well, that, I always try to rig the game that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into this NFC Championship game. We got uh, This is also a Sunday game, 6.30 here on Fox. The Niners hosting the Lions. The Niners are seven-point favorites. Um, all right, let's open the, the floor to you, BK. Give us your analysis, your breakdown. Who's your winner? God, just everything. It is a good, great story to the Lions. I mean, everybody's behind it. Well, I was in the newsroom, and not the biggest sports fans in the newsroom were talking about how great and how much I pumped about the Lions. Uh, I mean, you, you, it's the year of Michigan. I mean, you got the Wolverines, you got Detroit, right? I mean, and kick the butt. And the Pistons are doing great. <laughs> <laughs> but the Red Wings are actually playing good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everything kind of points like it could this be the Cinderella team, but there's I got two more numbers, you know, that maybe don't go that way. 1957 and 1975. 1957. Last championship. Well, last time they, Detroit won a road playoff game. 1975. Last time they beat San Francisco in San Francisco in Santa Clara, technically. So really, it's seventy-five. Yeah, how about but that? how often do they play them in San Francisco? Well, I mean, they're both in the NFC. Not every year, obviously, but right. I, mean, I think the last time yeah. they played them was um, it was in Detroit in twenty-one. And they okay, lost. they lost by touchdown. So it sounds like you're uh, going Niners here. Uh, you're going history. I'm going. Uh, you're history. talking about a game in nineteen fifty-seven. 
that that's what that's what's that's that's what's swaying my vote yes <laughs> dan campbell wasn't even born then <laughs> no of course not he hadn't bitten his first kneecap no. i think it's it's either gonna be kneecap a to a grasshopper blowout san francisco or or the lions win a, the close game i don't see it i don't see the lions blowing out san francisco but the key i think and i don't mean to steal any of your thunder coming up is debo samuel i mean yeah. if he's injured that's that's a whole I wish we knew if he was playing because their offense does look too oh, I think Maca- too CMC dependent when it he does. goes out. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, 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 it's a shoulder injury. But he could easily play and then re-injure it, though. So I don't know. I don't want to make my pick on counting on Debo. Yeah, but I think you have to assume Debo Samuel's playing in this game. I'm going to assume he's going to try to play. Yeah, but he's I, got I, to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they start, like, blowing him out, then he might sit on the bench. But, I mean, they're just going to shoot that shoulder up, and he'll be fine. <laughs> Is that what they do? Yeah, I don't know that he's going to be effective, but, yeah, I think he's going to play. Oh, yeah. How would you not? It's not a it's not a concussion. He did get a head injury in the last week's game, but he came back in. So, he's not in protocol. So, it's a shoulder. It, I don't know. I think he plays. But, yeah, um, that's Brian, a huge Brian, factor, you, Brian. Okay, Debo's so. a huge factor. Him at less than 100%, you know, if he's just there as a decoy, you know. Depends how early Detroit's defense can ID that, but yeah. All right, who do you okay, got? Um, I won't go too long because I want to get to Brian's fun little parade and festival game. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I'm going to pick the Niners. Uh, I hate to do it. I love the Lions story, and when you look at all the position groups, like this is really an even matchup, and that's why I thought the seven point spread at this point was a little much. And in fact, I could you know as much love as the Niners get for their skill their skill players, I think Detroit has just as good skill. Um, and a better quarterback, but really, I, I, I think Goff's better than Purdy. Um, really, I don't like though. Um, here's why I'm, I'm picking the Niners because of what Brian referenced there. It's a game in on the road, and if you look at the Lions, um, their offensive scoring average falls off in outdoor games. They they like that. They're house cats. They like that fast indoor track. They average just over 17 points a game. They played five open air stadiums this year and average 17.8 points a game, 17.8. And that's before the bad weather. There was only one of those games that was in rough weather. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said to that. I, and I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a question of the Niners playing. They're kind of one of the slowest teams in the league in terms of snaps per game and just kind of bleeding this thing out and, and overpowering the Lions. Hmm. Uh, I'm looking at the Lions on the road this year. Uh, let's see. So I didn't say on the road. I said open air stadiums, which would be on the road. Yes. Open, open air stadiums. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah, they had a bad game in Chicago. Um, let's see. They lost at the Dallas Cowboys, which is an indoor stadium, and they scored 19 points. Scored 20 uh, at the box. They scored 33 on the Saints. Uh, that's indoor. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, well, they're outdoor games. They're, I mean, they played most of them. Ravens, yeah. Bucks. They scored twenty on the Bucks in back in week what six? Uh, they scored thirty-four on the Packers in Green Bay. I don't know. I don't know that that's a thing. I mean, to me, it just comes down to the, the matchup is O line, D line. I mean, you could say that probably every week for every team, but like that, this is really the case. I mean, you got. You know, the, the, the Lions offensive line, we saw it last week against the Bucks. Like, they are very good. And when Goff is not pressured, he's a different quarterback. He is a very good quarterback. He doesn't hold the ball for a long period of time. He likes to get rid of it quickly into the hands of playmakers like St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs and his tight end, Sam Laporta, who was huge last week. Yeah. But, like, you have, you know, you know, the edge rushers that the Niners have against this offensive line that, that the Bucks or the, the Lions have, that's that's the game. I mean, and, and, and you could say the same thing on the other side. When you got like an Aiden Hutchinson going up against a Trent Williams at left tackle. Ooh, that's a good matchup. Like, I mean, it, if whoever gets home is going to win. You know, I, I think that that's whichever quarterback, and Brock Purdy and, and Jared Goff are similar in the sense that, like, both are, are great in the pocket. Both, when they have time to throw, both look as sharp as can be. You know, Purdy was a little shaky last week. In the rain, um, yeah. Yeah, in the rain. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, probably dry in Santa Clara this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm looking at, at potential mismatches and where I think that the that either team could take advantage. If Debo Samuel is playing at 100%, that's a that's a big problem for that Lions defense. Um, I don't know that he's going to be 100%, but I do think he's going to play. Uh, 
for, for the Lions, I think it's Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I think this guy as a receiver out of the backfield. We did see, I, I will say that the Niners gave up a lot of running yards to Aaron Jones in that Packer offense. It, it, the Packer, yeah, the Packer offense. Yeah, if, he ripped off a 50-yarder. If, if their run defense looks like that against the Lions, then – then look out. David Montgomery is yeah, I mean, the, good the, too. the Lions yeah. running attack is very good. Yeah. Uh, they got a two-headed monster there. Um, look, I, I love the feel-good story. Uh, I love the, the city that uh, just has felt snake-bitten since its existence uh, when it comes to being an NFL team. Uh, they've never been to a Super Bowl, and I think it changes this year. Uh, I think the Lions are going to pull off the upset in Santa Clara. So I got two upsets. Okay. And it, it's, it harkens back to my pick earlier this year. The best, the, the, the game I want to see the most, Kansas City against the Lions. He's willing uh, to die on that Bowl. hill. Well, <laughs> no, you can be right. We'll see. Well, or maybe I'm just picking opposite you guys. That, that could be very well the case. I know this. I, wild card week, I was 3-3. Three and three. Last week, I was 2-2. Two and two, So I'm going to be 1-1. One and one. I just don't know which yeah. one I'm missing. So we're just going to have to split the, split the middle here. It's probably <laughs> going to be Kansas City and San Francisco, the most likely. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, BK, on the other side, you're gonna we're gonna play a game. Go and take a look at some uh, festivals around the world, around the country exactly. And I'll give you a little hint. They got to do deal with headless chicken and dead frozen body. Best tease we've ever had here on the North Days podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the No Off Days podcast. Do you have your pirate swag ready to go for this weekend, Chris? Arr, I do not. <laughs> I do you, do, do, you not. do the Gasparilla thing? I do. Yeah, it's hard not to where I live. Like okay. you either get out of town or you participate. Because you live in the water, right? You I live. I live in, no, in I don't go Bay. down to the parade. Hillsborough Bay. I, I did. I went down to the parade once, and that was just too much. Too much pirating. Too yeah. much pi- yeah. people were. You know, there were people everywhere. But my neighborhood has great house parties, so you kind of. You become a porch pirate. You pick your porches okay. and you bop around from porch to porch. Normally, that's a, a thing that's frowned upon. No, uh, not this time of year. Okay, very it's good. Pillaging time. Yeah, I uh, I do the kids' parade. That's about the extent of my excitement. I can I can uh, muster no energy for the rest of that stuff. That was fun. Uh, the kids' parade was fun. Yeah, I like to chuck beads at people really hard. Your son okay. Carson, who was our guest picker, yeah. uh, has a good arm. He's a lefty, and well, he was whipping those beads at the crowd. Yeah, I got to tell him to dial it back, son. <laughs> dial it back. All right, BK, come on in here. Uh, I know Brian's going to be down there. You're going to be partying, right? Oh, well, of course, yeah. yeah. He's in one. Of the, he's on one of the floats, I think. <laughs> Ye yeah. mystic crew of king. Oh, yeah. come on. I did do, do you think and... some people get into it a little too much? Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they lose themselves in piratehood. <laughs> I, love the, I love the fact that Gasparilla is a party based on a, myth, a pirate that didn't exist. Like, it, Tampa just needed an excuse to have a big festival and said yeah let's make up this legend about go. jose gaspar <laughs> just make cool. something up and have a good time it's cool how they've made it their own though yeah you know it's it's unique and everything it really is all right so you got a game for us yes what for we as do? unique as gasparl is there's more yeah there's unique festivals all across the, the country here what i'm going to do is uh tell you uh, give you a festival that's upcoming tell you a little bit about it and you tell me exactly what that festival celebrates so we're going to start with Mike the Headless Chicken Festival. Oh, I love it. Yes, this dates back, well, it started in 1945. They started having this festival in 1999. It takes place in Fruhita, Colorado. I should have known. And so the, the story here is that at some point there was a chicken that was running around in the town. You, with its head cut off? You tell me what the story behind it is. Okay. You well, kind of come up with it. Yeah, I'm going to say it, it was in Fruhita what? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Okay, so I think it's an it's it's an old fable of um, of a lady that you know was cooking dinner one night and she goes outside, you know, takes the chicken and uh, chops its head off, mm-hmm. and then it takes off and it takes off with her pearls around its neck without <laughs> a head, and so like the whole city is like we have to find. We have to find her pearls, and this chicken is still running around. You know, I don't know what the life expectancy of a headless chicken is, but uh, it it just kind of became a thing. And the townspeople, um, I think, gathered to support her, and they were looking for her pearls. And um, and that's kind of where the festival began. They realized that they they found camaraderie uh, in their community when they came together to help somebody. But, yeah. I I like that. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I think a headless chicken can live for a while 
Okay. Yeah. So this is this pearl pearl <laughs> hunt could have gone. Wow. Yeah, for a while. I, I'm gonna say that this is. Um, gosh, it's based on a, a an actual chicken that. Maybe that's just it. It lived an incredibly long time after having its head lopped off. And it was so uh, amazing that they gave it a name. And they were like, you know, this this isn't just any chicken here. Yeah. This is, is this Mike. is Mike. Yeah. And because uh, maybe he's like the Michael Jordan of chickens. Yeah. Like, how did goat. he do this? He's the greatest of all time. Yeah. And so that, that and they decided to have uh, an annual festival in uh, Fruhita, yeah. Colorado. Did we get close? You're both almost dead on. But the story is incredible. In in 45, this guy named Lloyd Olson was going to eat dinner. So he had to go out to the, I guess, the backyard and get his chicken, got yeah. Mike, went to cut the head off the chicken, cut the head off, but did not cut the brain stem. It did not cut the jugular vein. So that chicken's running around like they kind of normally do, but mm. it kept running. Mm. And so they said, we can't have this for dinner. The chicken lived. They fed the chicken because after this, they kind of took... You know, so, uh, so his how could was, they feed it with, without a beak? Uh, well, and uh, esophagus? Do chickens have an eyedropper? Oh, eyedropper dropping with water food and, and, drop it's, and it's little trachea there. How long do you think this chicken lived? Uh, well, it sounds maybe about like uh, 14 minutes, but well, if they're feeding it, it lived longer than that. Um, a couple, couple weeks? A year and a half. 18 months. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> and they had to look at that chicken with his head just kind of <laughs> droopy. There's there's wow. statues there in this town dedicated to Mike the Headless Chicken. You see a uh, mascot going around without a I mean, chicken mascot. So that now, see, going. that's a festival I would go to. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, that's mushrooms, a not so much. But the headless chicken, yeah. So yeah. does everybody dress up as a headless chicken? Is that the deal? Uh, there's people dress up as headless chickens. Okay. My awesome. favorite part of it, though, there's a chicken wing eating competition in it. Oh. That's it. So you there you go. Sign you got to eat some chicken. Yeah, here he is. Sign Mike. The, oh. So eating eating Mike's relatives are part okay. of the festival. I love it. But no pearls. There was no pearls there involved. There was no pearls involved with that, but I like that, Scott. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yep. Frozen Dead Guy Days Festival. <laughs> Frozen Dead Guy Days. This is in Colorado again. Those, I'm telling you, those Colorados. Now, I people. wonder what, there must be something there in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, this was created back in 2002, Frozen Dead Guy Days uh, mm. Festival. Need to work on a name soon. Uh, so what's this all about? So I'm going to say that, um, you know, there was, uh, yeah, you know, it had to have been like they, they encountered a frozen guy in like an ice, like maybe an yeah, ice Encino shape. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, it was yeah, Brendan it was, Fraser, Polly Shore, and uh, yeah. No, I think that that's something like that happened at some point that they encountered a a dead guy that was found encased in ice, and he looked, um, you know, he did not live quite as long as Mike the Headless Chicken, but um, <laughs> you know, they they honored his his memory because nobody could. It was kind of like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. They didn't know who he was. Nobody claimed him, and so he just kind of became this fixture for their community that they celebrated okay yeah that sounds good i i do think it had something to do with uh a guy who was frozen clearly from the title <laughs> and maybe it's a you know a, it was an outdoor festival that was already taking place and um you know sadly one of the festival goers it was uh, this terrible cold front came through this is in colorado as well you said yeah. so probably you know i hear it gets cold there yeah rockies the region yeah uh and you know the guy died tragically at the festival uh but his buddies said you know he would not want us to stop having this great festival so you know they changed whatever the original festival was and i think it was originally the uh the warm alive guys day festival <laughs> and then all of a sudden like it was a, an off year right yeah and a guy it could have the guy's name was guy days and the, he was frozen dead <laughs> oh, okay. and they said oh it's now it's the frozen dead guy days festival yeah i don't know if that's a guess but that's my answer uh you're you're not close but this is incredible story here in 1989 this guy in norway died right and so they froze his body i guess that was his wishes and then they were going to ship it as his wishes to his grandson in the in the united states so i guess in colorado his grandson got the body then cryogenetically froze him to where he you know kept him forever well the guy the grandson his visa expired he got deported uh oh so this town had this frozen body in a shed and they didn't know what to do. The town council said, no, we're not going to, uh, you can't have a dead body. You can't be storing a dead body. No, can't do that. No, you can't do that. So this company that keeps cryogenetic bodies, I guess, stepped up and said, hey, we'll build a shed. We're going to upkeep it. You know, we'll take care of it. And there's a shed in this town where you can go see. He's there. 
uh, Credo or Brito's his name. Credo Brito? No, no, no. Credo is what. It's better than Guy Days. So, uh, yeah, Brito Morstall or something like that. But anyway, that's what they decided to have a festival for that. There he is, frozen in time. So people walk around. And, uh, what are they, they have popsicles, I'm sure. Yeah. Other frozen they, treats. There's a coffin race. There's a horse parade. Yeah. Yeah. Seems frozen a little dark for my, for my taste. But it's a little dark. But yeah. it's a reason to have a party. Man. Would you guys want to be cryogenically frozen uh, um, before you die? Um, before no, I would die. Would you consider Not before that before, before you die? Well, you got to do it right before you die, right? <laughs> yeah, I, but you. How do they do it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Would I, you consider uh, being cryogenically frozen? N- no. no. I don't want to be the Ted Williams. I don't well, want to that, be ahead. You know, well, I, yeah. That, I uh, think that was like a, like a black market frozen company. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like they, yeah, they didn't know what they were doing. I'd rather be like Mike the chicken and just have my head lopped off and my body still around with someone yeah. feeding it. Well, because yeah. when you come back and you're like, well, uh, did you figure out my body thing? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? Have no, we just brought your head back. Well, can you bring me, freeze me again, and bring me back when you can get me a body? Let me know when the okay. cyborgs are ready. Right. Okay. Golly. All right. I was, and you just woke me up from a really good sleep too. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Got anything else, BK? No, I think that's it, man. I think we need to come up with our own festival. I'm gonna. Yeah. What would it center around for you? Uh, coffee, probably. It's one yeah, of my favorite things. But there's festival. probably already a coffee festival yeah, somewhere. Yeah, probably happening in Seattle. What about for you? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, Hojum. The Hojum Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Do a callback to last yeah. week. <laughs> you have to tune in to last week's episode. All right. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, come up, we'll come up with a new festival. Yeah. An odd pod festival. A festival for the Rustable. Yeah. Where I think you have a Nod Pod Festival where everybody is forced to listen to us talk about nonsense. Oh, my. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> that would be well attended. The heart of it. A bunch of bladder skites. Very, very good. All right, BK. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, if you are interested in checking out more of the No Off Days podcast, you can head to fox13news.com slash nodpod. There you can find all of our shows. You can subscribe on uh, iTunes and Google Play Store, and they'll just send it right to your phone each and every week. Get it's all easy. the episodes sent straight to you. Uh, much thanks to uh, to Chris, BK, our crew here uh, running Jib Cam Operations and directing this year's show. And we have championship games set for this weekend. Uh, we shall see whose picks are correct coming up next week as we That's get right. ready for the Super Bowl. Until Who did I pick? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, we'll have to rewind and go to take a look. All right. Until the next time we are on, there are no off days. See you next time.